And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Tristan Cockroft's a great guy to have in a fantasy baseball league because he'll pick up my call. <laughs> that makes him better than me because I don't always pick up. Hello, everyone, and welcome to your absolutely favorite 57 minutes in the entire world. And no matter what's going on in your life, unless you're looking at old pictures of Olivia Newton-John back in Greece from 1977, and you were in love with him like our partner Ian Khan was, it's Under the Radar, part of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Network. Uh, I'm here with your friend and mine, Derek Van Rypa. It's so much harder to be Nando than people think it is. It really is. And I was really feeling good about it. I felt like I had a good like run into it. I don't know why I went the Olivia Newton-John thing. Although, you know, to my uh, first celebrity crush, it was the moment. I was five years old. I was watching the movie Grease. DVR, have you ever watched the movie Grease? I've seen the movie Grease, yeah. Okay. And now Olivia Newton-John has passed away this week after a long battle with breast cancer. And literally, like a little bit of my childhood went away in that moment and I uh, here's to you Olivia Newton-John to my literally my very first crush it wasn't even celebrity crush I think it was like the first girl I ever was like oh my god I I like I like that girl and Nando DeFino off this week no guests just the two of us I just finished a four and a half hour drive I've been on the road for two weeks with family it's been actually quite lovely nice wife I got a nice wife she's very nice the boys happy overall really great trips Anyway, today, without Nando DeFino, on to fantasy baseball, I really wanted to talk today, and I asked DBR, can we just talk a little bit about what it's like to be a fantasy baseball player two-thirds of the way through your season? And he was like, yeah, it's a good idea. Let's start with that. So that's what we're going to start with, DBR. We're going to talk about late-season gameplay, the final third. How's it going for you? Are you bored of it yet? I'm not. I'm not at all. I haven't been watching as closely as I had been watching just because we've been traveling so much. Typically, I try to watch every like minute that I can. What's it like playing fantasy baseball right now as many people are sort of transitioning away to fantasy football? I think it's actually still a lot of fun this time of year. And I think it's kind of deceptive. In your head at first, you're like, it's August. So if I'm protecting a lead or maybe I'm chasing first place and I'm 10 points back, it seems like you might not have enough time to make up that ground, but chances are that lead's not safe, and chances nope. are you can make that run because we still have almost a third of the season left. So I would take a more optimistic look if I were chasing and still take that more cautious look, try to protect every point in the standings, try to keep gaining points in the standings. If you currently have a lead, uh, I think in most of my leagues, I'm still very competitive. I've got one total dud team in TGFBI this year. There were some mm. bad decisions on my part and a couple of injuries that took a pretty average team and turned into a below average team, but otherwise, everywhere I play, I'm at least hanging around trying to cash, if not try to win. I I, I have to say, uh, I, I partner with, with many people, right? I've talked about that on the show. The only league that I can't figure out and I don't understand it because usually if you have a team that's not doing well, you look at it and you go, yeah, that's why this TGFBI team that I'm in that I'm, that I run with Rob, Rob and I do it together. Rob Marshak. Oh, it's, it's like a really, like we like the team. It's like, what's wrong with this team? But it just doesn't, I don't know. It, it's the one league. Everything else is either in first right now, maybe in second, in a couple of leagues, except there's one league that's over. Eno Saris has kind of uh, run away with it in a very similar way to what I did last year in the same league in Ale Labor. I kind of feel like I ran the four minute under the four minute mile last year, and now he's like, I did it like if, you know because I broke the record for most points. The previous record was 106, was not to be touched, and then I scored 110.5 last year and kind of knocked it out of the park. And then Eno is coming along. And he is knocking it. He's he he's been touching one fifteen this week at different times. 
he has put together. A, I mean, it's it's a beautiful team. It's a remarkable team. Um, I had a lot of. Uh, I'm in second place. I think right now with 84 points, he's at 112 right now. I have a goal. I'm gonna try to keep my record intact. I'm going after him. I just he's gonna win, but I'm gonna try to get him under 110.5. <laughs> like, that's the best <laughs> that I could do right now. And I I, I actually I had 59 dollars in Fab this week. Uh, Tristan Cockroft had. 73. I had a feeling he was going to Tyler Molly it. He did. So he $59 Tyler Molly. That's what he needed pitching. And I went and I got Eric Hosmer. I got Tommy Pham for 30 and Eric Hosmer for 23. So uh, I'm going to climb. I'm going to be climbing in runs and I'll be climbing in average. And uh, I'm going to try to put up a good number next to Eno, but Eno is going to take that league. Every other league, it's pretty much, I'd say everything's up for grabs still. You know, and Tout NL right now. I'm in first with 95 points. Uh, the Wilderman prior team, I think, has 93.5. Phil Hertz has 92. So, I mean, that's going to be a battle to the end. In Maki, you're in first. Uh, Jim Bibby Sweat is in second, really close behind you. And Tom, Dr. Tom Scott, and I are dancing at about eight points down. I think you're well, like 145 last I looked, and I was about uh, Jim Bibby was at 143, and we're at 137. Uh, it, it, it's interesting. It's really, really fun. And Cushing is making a push. Rob and I have deal one in good shape, uh, but Cushing's starting to make his trades and putting himself in position for, for the fight. It's going to come down to ERA and whip as it has so many times. Rich Wilson's trying to, or Rabbi or sunshine's fighting for it. So a lot of leagues are, are coming into position, but it feels like the end of the horse race. But as you're saying, it's not the final stretch yet. It's, a third of the there's still a third of the way to go and so many things can move and change and it's a good time to uh, you know i find that teams tend to quit around now right dvr would you agree with that yeah some people do people that play multiple sports or people that are just in the bottom half of the league and their best finish might be fifth or sixth place they're they're not going to be as into making every possible lineup deadline to dig as deep into fab in that particular league they're going to probably focus more on the teams that are doing well so uh, or, or just the next sport in the cases of people that play a lot and of fantasy so that football opens it up for us i would say for the for the hardcore fantasy baseball player if you're in a dynasty league if you're in a in a, a keeper league this is the prime time to really make moves okay if, and if you're in a redraft league, this is a great time to climb. If you're in 10th place and you want to get to 5th place, you can do that. Just don't stop playing. Don't quit playing. Keep going. Keep going. Because at the end of the season, your record is your record. You are what your record says you are, as Bill Parcells used to say. And uh, and I, I don't know. I, I, I'm more sad at the idea that we only got seven weeks left. DVR, do you, do you feel that way too? Like... Do you get to this point in the season like, oh, my God, I can't wait for this all to be over? Or are you like, oh, man, I only got seven more weeks of watching baseball. It's going to matter for fantasy purposes. I think the season is probably the ideal length for me. I, I like having a bit of a, a break for the postseason where we can just stop and, and watch the best teams play for about a month. And then we can flip the calendar to the next season once the World Series is over. I I, I like that small break because it it gives you a clear break between the current season and the next one. I felt I feel like if you started actually playing right away in October, like I do the one draft with Todd Zola that starts the last week of the regular season, but it's a slow draft. So that works. That's fine. It takes a few weeks to get through that. Then there's a lull until we start getting to fall league. I feel like the first pitch Arizona trip is kind of when the next season really begins. You're watching some prospects that are going to get called up to the big leagues the following year. You're starting to do in-person drafts when you go out there. You're you're breaking down players that surprised both good and bad from the previous season, and you're starting to set up those expectations for the future. And usually around that time, the first sets of projections start to come out. I think Steamer's mm-hmm. projections usually come out first in early November. So that to me is really the like you know how fiscal years sometimes they say they begin in February a lot of places. Well, the the fantasy baseball year begins in November. I wish it really began in November. Like I don't need a break. Like the I guess I guess the I guess the playoffs into the World Series is a good break, 
And in some leagues where September 1st is the trade deadline, then between September 1st and November 1st, you have those two months where you're kind of stuck with your team. I, I don't know, though. This year, I have to say, I've been so focused on redraft this year and so kind of falling in love. I've always been a dynasty guy first. That's always been my like true love of the game. I don't know. This year, I'm kind of just all redraft, just even trades and redraft. I always used to think, ah, trading and redraft, does it really matter? Well, yeah, it really does. Like You can make trades to make your team better. And now is that time, actually, DVR. So I'd like to talk a little bit about trading um, just, just for a couple of minutes. Uh, just a couple of thoughts about as you're coming to your Dynasty League uh, trade deadline. Now, there is, I'm such a, I'm like the worst dynasty ranker of all time because I just haven't had the bandwidth to put out the list. I'm going to try in the next couple of days if Mershak and I can sit down and Rob will help me. Um, but I'd like to talk about, I'd like to ask you first, what is your mindset as you go into a trade deadline in a dynasty or keeper league? What is your thought process? Really, you have to pick a direction. So either you're maxing out trying to win right now or you're trying to get better for the future. So if you're trying to get better for now, then it's pretty easy to identify your needs and to make those sorts of commitments. I think when you're stuck in the middle and you have to choose which side you're on, if if you're not certain you're playing for this year, it means you're playing for the future, even if you're not that far away. So that's, that's sort of the, what do I do if I'm stuck in the middle? You're probably playing for next year, more likely than not, depending on a few other factors, but assume that's the the safe choice. I I think it's a, a critically important time of year, not just on the trade front, but to keep churning on the waiver wire. The Maki League that we talk about all the time is a 16-team yeah. keeper league. Players can be kept for whatever price is paid in FAB, and this time of year, FAB budgets are running low, so bid numbers tend to be low. And you can find either injured players that came back because the rule mm-hmm. in our league is that an injured player can't be picked up while he's on the IL. And a lot of times players who are going to miss several weeks will be dropped. And then eventually August, September rolls around. No because IL. Because there's no IL. It's clever. It's really smart. Yeah, there's eight bench spots. There's, there's, You could say I've got six bench spots and two IL spots if you want to manage your team that way. But if you're contending for this yeah, year, sometimes you have to can't. let those players go. And there's an in-season cap. So there's a lot of lot of forces that try to push players onto the wire. And I think I've found every single season at least one very good keeper yes, at the end have. of the year. I think two Shane years Bieber. ago. Yeah, last, last year was Bieber. Bieber. Two years ago, it was Shohei Otani. Um, I, I, think, about I think there was another player three. I mean, like there's there's been one play. I mean, every, every year, like clockwork, there's always one really good player that I find and other people find them too. I'm not the only one doing this and it just ends up being this, this kind of hidden source of value. And it's not just the occasional, this guy was underperforming. He was on an expiring contract. He got cut and then someone else picked him up last minute when he was healthy. Sometimes it's just finding $1, $2, $3 pickups. The young players that were not necessarily highly regarded prospects coming into the year, but they came up and debuted. So, um, Michael Massey might be an example of a player yes. like this in Kansas City where you might go pick him up for a dollar, two dollars, or three dollars in a mixed keeper league where you keep a you know a dozen, fifteen, we keep fifteen in Maki plus minor leaguers, but you know, any league where you're it's keeping more than a handful of players, players like Michael Massey become great late season darts because if you're not playing for this year, if you're stuck in the middle, you could have found value. You could have a player that will go for ten, maybe twelve bucks in an auction next year for pennies on the dollar. And if you find a few players like that and you hit on one big injured player that came back and then you've got a decent core, you make your roster a lot better in three or four moves. And that's without even making trades. You can make your team even better if you're making a few trades with those late deadlines, too. There are guys like I'll tell you who I'm always targeting in dynasty leagues at this time of year. Everywhere. I'm not. I mean, yeah, Gunnar Henderson. Sure. Right. You know, Josh Young. No, you're not getting them. But who you can maybe get are guys who are coming up, like Kerry Carpenter, just got called up from Detroit. I'm taking, if I'm not competing right now, I'm grabbing every Kerry Carpenter, Bubba Thompson, uh, Vaughn Grisham, who just got called up. Um, again, like, you know, Ellie DeCruz, these these guys are, are, 
are always going to get picked up. They're, you know, you're not going to get those guys. But guys who are getting called up, Peyton Burdick, Taryn Vavra, because who knows? They have their opportunity. They come up. They're playing every day. All of a sudden, you get the next Luke Voigt, and you get him for a dollar. You get him for $4 out of 1000 you know, so those are the guys that I'm looking for is the guys that major league teams are now giving a chance to saying, hey, let's see what we have here, mostly on rebuilding teams. Those are the guys that I'm, I'm, I'm looking to grab everywhere, every chance I get. It's like, oh, he's playing. He's playing like uh, Aristides Aquino again. He's getting a chance. I don't know if he's playing. I don't know how much he's playing to be honest. But if you have, if you still have Patrick Corbin on your team, which if you're an NL only like me, you did until two weeks ago, there are spots available in keeper leagues where you drop, you drop the Will Myers for the Vavra, right? Because Will Myers, you know what you're going to get. You're not going to get much. You drop the Carlos Santana's for the Vavras. That, that, that I think is a, is an under the radar choice is like guys pick up this is a, a great place. We, we always talk about build around bats. Buy bats right now. I'm trying to think. Who else Who else can you think of, DVR, that has all of a sudden come up and it seems to be playing every day? I think Lars Newtbar is playing a ton now yes. because of the Bader trade. So I, there's been a few instances where he's been on some deep league rosters like at the beginning of this season. I think I might have had him in Maki. He wasn't playing enough, got sent down. He'd be somebody I'd be thinking about in deeper leagues like that. I think on the pitching side, you can find... Some value too. I think Joe Ryan was somebody I scooped up around this time of year. Yes, sir. When he broke through with, with Minnesota last year. I think Cole Reagans could be that kind of player. I think Jose Suarez, who Robert Mershak ah, was telling us, telling me we should be picking up Jose Suarez. I was like, ah, really? Are you sure? I really don't think Jose Suarez is the right choice. Eight innings, eight innings, nine strikeouts. What did he have the other day? Against like, Oakland? He, Again, yes, it was against Oakland, but still, <laughs> fair enough, it was. And that's, you know, I was like, are we really going to start him? I'm wrong. It was seven innings, eight strikeouts, two walks, two hits. And look at his age, yeah? He's not bad. No, he's 24 not bad at all. years old. 24 years old. I remember he came up like two years ago, and I remembered liking his stuff and being like, I like that Jose Suarez guy, you know? And he's only 22. Well, now he's only 24, and he's got a spot in that rotation. He's he's pitching, you know, it's good stuff. Yeah, there's a few different player types that you're going to find this time of year. Players like Suarez and, and Reagan's kind of the the young players that are either if they're on a, a big prospect list, that totally makes sense. They're going to be on an organizational prospect list. The guys that never made the top 100. Those are the players getting a chance right now. And it's a prolonged opportunity because it's not up and down usually in the second half of the season. Usually when you get that opportunity because of the trade deadline, your role is clearer than it would be if you got that opportunity back in April when the team had expectations of being a contender. If Jose Suarez gets hit in a spot start in April, he goes back down. If Jose Suarez gets hit in a late season start for an Angels team that's desperate for starters in August, he makes his next turn in the rotation. He gets more chances to right the ship. Massey, I think, is one of those guys that had he been promoted back in April when the Royals thought they could be a wildcard team, if he slumped, he'd go down. Now if he slumps, he could lose playing time, but he's more likely to get more chances to stick. So I do think it's this sort of like not a top 100 prospect, but an interesting younger player really getting that chance for the first time. And every once in a while, the other players that come through are, are guys like Fran Mil Reyes, the, the veterans that had unimaginably bad years. And now he gets a reset with the Cubs. And I, I think in a league like Maki, if I were playing for the future and Reyes is on the waiver wire, I'm throwing a buck or two at him and just seeing what happens in the final two months. There is and a guy like Sky Bolt for a buck. He's hitting home runs. He's stealing bases. He can't hit anything but a fastball. I mean, that's really true. But maybe like one of the things I like to do is you accumulate all of these guys. And then in the league like Devil's Rejects, where you have 28 keepers, all of a sudden a team only has 24 guys that they really like. You package all four of these young hitters. And you say, hey, you want all these young hitters? You can give me a second round pick. It seems small, but that second round pick that I did that with this year was used to pick Jorge Mateo, who now, thankfully, is owned in 65% of CBS leagues as opposed to 21% of CBS leagues. Yeah, all roads lead back to Jorge Mateo. 
Well, you know, he's really been very good. And this week I traded him in AL labor because I have 95 steals and the next stolen base number is 76. Tristan Cockroft has 76 stolen bases. And I'm struggling a little bit in average still and runs. So I traded him essentially straight up for Arias hmm. to Steve Gardner, who needed the stolen bases and is in a really good average place. So, you know, you can, you can, you're looking now to make trades. And also we're at that point in the season where you want to look to see, like, can you, if you're, if you're competing for the top DVR, do you do this? If you're competing for the top, do you ever send a player to someone who's like competing in a category with one of your opponents? Do you ever do that? Sometimes. I mean, I'm also not afraid to trade with someone else who's contending, give them what they need, and then go get what I need when I get back from them. Like if, if I don't line up on a, on a trade the way I need to with someone, I'm willing to go ahead and kind of get a third team involved just to go out there and get the upgrade I want. I'll, really? risk, I'll risk the possibility of helping someone I'm competing with if I think I can go help myself more after making that first deal with them. I don't do that. Why do you do that? That seems risky it's not a first choice but it it becomes an option at a certain point because you've talked about this before the further into the season you go the fewer trade partners you have especially in a keeper league right there's only a handful of teams you can even line up on a trade with so depending on who's already moved some of their best young players or you know who has an excess of something that a team that will trade you something good wants you may have to help an opponent with something you have, wow. get something back of long-term value that you don't necessarily want or something you could end up keeping if you can't find a taker. And then you flip that player that you just got back to get the upgrade that your opponent wouldn't have given you or the opponent didn't have. Sometimes, you know, it's, sometimes it's more complicated than making one move. You know, in Maki, you and I are fighting it out. You could use saves. I am loaded with saves. And as I looked at it, I'm like, I don't want to give you saves because I don't want you to climb those points. And I want, you know, Clay Link to catch you in saves, even though I, I really saves is a place that I would I, I would I'm, I find that dangerous. I, I just don't I feel like it's one of those situations where if I make that trade with you and I give you the piece that puts you over the top, it's going to hurt. Well, it also depends on how the standings are set up right now. There's probably only one point I can lose in saves, and there's probably only right. about one point I can gain in saves. Yeah, so it, we probably wouldn't wouldn't go that route. Yeah, so I've lo- I've looked at it and said, you know, maybe I could go trade for a closer, but more likely than not, I can do better in a different category. I could probably get more more mileage out of trying to get one more great starting pitcher to at least hold two categories with the ratios and to possibly uh, move up a couple more spots in wins. Maybe I can gain two standings points and wins, or I'm more likely to hold my position and wins if I pursue a starter instead of a reliever. Yeah, because I've got five closers on this team. I've got Hayter, Helsley, Kimbrell, Lopez, and Tanner Scott. And then it becomes a question of the guys I would want to trade. I would probably look, because it's a keeper league, Hayter, it's in the last year of his contract. Although, what's going on with Josh Hayter, man? I mean, that that was pretty pretty awful what happened for him last night. Did you did you yep. did you happen to catch that? Yeah. Did, uh, quick 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 sidebar. Did you happen to catch the Josh Hader? What did as a as a Milwaukee fan does that surprise you? It's kind of been a problem for him all the way through July. I think it goes back to his release point. Sports Info Solutions wrote about this uh, in their blog maybe three or four weeks ago. I don't know if that's something that can't be fixed. You know, was talking about it a little bit on the Athletic Baseball Show. Maybe it's an off-season mechanical adjustment that has to be made, but mm-hmm. a lot of it with Hader, aside from the stuff being good, is also deception, the way he hides the ball. And if the release point is different, it's giving hitters a different cue to pick up on fastball versus slider. So if you take away some of the deception and it's just pure stuff without excellent location, suddenly he becomes a little bit more beatable than he has been for most of his time in the big leagues. But we'd still be talking about a guy that, if he fixes everything, is easily a, what, a top six closer, even if he's not the best closer in baseball anymore. It's still, in my mind, it's still probably a pretty big upgrade for the Padres, going from okay. Taylor Rogers to this version of Hater. And there's always the possibility they can fix it on the fly. And then you've got the guy that strikes out you know, 40% of the batters he faces again and is a top three closer. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. On the trade front, last point that I, that I really do want to make. Just because we're talking about making trades, you got to be disciplined about making those trades and not just making trades for the sake of making trades. Because when you do that, you run into trouble. And sometimes the best trades you make are the ones that you haven't made. So you have to make sure you got to balance it, right? Um, there was a trade that I made last year uh, that Rob and I made where we traded Louis Robert and Spencer Torkelson for Garrett Cole. Remember that trade? And it was right before the sticky stuff was taken away and it looked really bad for a while, but we ended up winning the championship last year. And without that trade, we never would have won the championship. You really got to put yourself in a position where you're going to win the championship. If you're going to trade away guys like that, right now, Torkelson, it's turned out not to be anything kind of special. But like I made a trade in Maki the other day where we traded Mike Trout, um, Luis Garcia, and Nolan Jones. So Luis Garcia and Nolan Jones are long-term keepers. And we basically just got back. Oh, no. We got back Mookie Betts on a decent contract and Jeff McNeil. And we did that. We gave up two really good young bats for the possibility of winning a championship this year. I kind of still like that trade. Um, Mookie Betts is a 50A. That means it's going to cost $50 to keep him next year. Now, there's a lot of inflation in this league because a lot of players are kept. So the top round guys are going to go for $60, $65. They really do. They go that high, right, TVR? I'm not, I'm not yeah, crazy. Yeah, they go for a lot. Yeah. Is 50B something that you would consider going into next year with Mookie Betts? Maybe, depending on how many cheap keepers I had. Because... Mookie Betts right now, if you take out the two and a half week, three week rib injury, right now he's the number 12 player in fantasy. I think you got to think that he's a mid first round pick next year. That's that's what I'm thinking. So, so, So the point is, if you're in a rebuild and you're not going for the championship, your job, if you're doing it right, is to put a player on the either reach out to the three teams that are in first place. And sort of say, I'm selling this guy. That's how I would do it. I'm selling this player. Or just individually. Just say, let's say the, the in first place are DVR, Nando, and Eno. I'm going to write to Nando. And I'm going to say, hey, Nando, I've got this guy. I'm coming to you first. I would like to, if you would like this player, this is what I would like from you. And set up a trade that's probably 58-42 in your favor. In terms of value. He goes, no, nah, I don't want that. No, no I'm not going to do that. Are you crazy? You go to Derek. Set it up. 57-43, 58-42. Because you're in position. If you're in the rebuild, don't give a 50-50 trade. Because you're giving to a team that's trying to win. You got you to extract. And if you're willing to work hard enough and you've analyzed it properly, you should be able to get to that number where you're getting just the extra second round pick. An extra second round pick might be the difference between a 50-50 trade and a 58-42 trade because that second round pick, a you know, mid-round second round pick can be very valuable. Just make sure that you're 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 charging the tax for it. Do you, do you agree with me on this? Yeah, of course. I I think the the hard thing for me when we're trading players this time of year and I'm playing for now, I am trying to make a good offer where I'm not overpaying for a very limited amount of time with the player I'm getting back. But sometimes it's hard to find that sweet spot. Like in my head, the Nolan Jones and Luis Garcia combo, I looked at that trade and I thought, I don't, 
I don't like Luis Garcia, the hitter, the shortstop for the Nationals. Like, I don't. Twenty-two years old, man. He's so young, and he's probably going to hit for average. And the underlying power numbers look a little better than they did the first couple times in the big leagues. But I don't know if he's going to steal a lot of bases. He's one for five as a base no, stealer this season. No, I agree with that. And he's a bad defender, so he's probably not staying at short. He's probably moving he's over to second move to base. Second. CJ's going to take short. So they've got that. I mean, like, okay, so second base, average, some power. Lineup's going to be pretty bad for a little while. It's going to be a couple of years before all those guys come up. So I don't, I don't know how much of an impact he makes. Jones is more interesting to me of the two players you traded away. And I think with Nolan Jones... I've always been concerned about the swing and miss in his profile. He's been young for the level at most of his minor league stops, though. You know, the the lost 2020 season may have prevented him from playing at AAA as a 22-year-old, which is really impressive. And he did get a lot better going back to AAA this season. Missed some time with an injury, so it was a bit of a small sample. But I think of the two players you traded away, he's the one that I have a lot more confidence in long term. And at least he walks, right? For a guy that strikes out, he draws plenty of walks. He's always done that. The barrel rate looks good. The swing decisions look good. So I I think he's a pretty good long-term piece, but I'm pretty skeptical of Luis Garcia. It's funny. I'm totally flipped opposite on that. I was very happy to give up Nolan Jones in that trade. Uh, I, I, I guess I have too many memories of him being a top 50 prospect and then dropping down to like a 250 prospect. Um, I, I, I think Luis Garcia is going to be really good. I think he's going to hit in the high 280s, 270s, 280s. I think he's going to hit you 15 home runs. I think he's going to play every day. I think he's going to bat second in that lineup um, once they are going or maybe fifth in that lineup. Um, I like him a lot, and he's going to be able to hold him for five or six years, and he's going to be able to hold Jones for seven years. If Jones is worth it, he's going to be he's going to be a $3 player for the next uh, – one, two, three years, it'll be $3 for the next three years. So, you know, that's the other thing I, I do think about is how many years am I getting back? There was a, there was another trade. God, what was that? It was, uh, oh, I was talking to Steve. I was Steve Gardner. Steve, I hope you don't mind that I'm going to talk about this trade that you made that I have nothing to do with. But he was moving uh, Trey Mancini in a deal. And he was getting back Alec Baum. And I actually said, go get Luis Garcia what do you think of this trade? I said, go get Luis Garcia and give him Colton Wong. So it becomes, you give Mancini and Wong and you get back Alec Baum and Luis Garcia. And what I said was, you're getting 12, and it's a full dynasty, so there's no keeper, there's no contract, but you're getting, uh, it's, that's Beth Ostergaard, who is the mother of Lennox, um, the great baseball player on, uh, <laughs> and the, the wife of Chris Dolan, who's a dear friend of mine. Um, and I'm going to have to call her back at the end of the show. Um, but I, I say that's 12 extra years because Mancini's going to give you, what, five more years, four years of, of play? And Wong, 31 years old, second baseman, sort of not, not, he, he, you're getting what you're getting there. I like the upside. I was saying get Pasquatino instead of Bomb personally. Although looking at Bomb, I was like, well, look at that. He's hitting 290. He's hitting 290. Did you know that Bomb was hitting 290? DVR? I did not. Um, I didn't know that either, and it really was surprising. Let me double-check that, because that's what it looked like at the time. Here's the problem, though, with, with Alec Bohm. It's it's a, a barrel rate under 7% now, going back to last season. He was barreling the ball a little more consistently in the shortened season when he debuted, so maybe there's still a little yeah. more power he can unlock. It's good to maybe see the K yes, rates yes, back problem. down. Can you do yeah. all the good things he's done together? That That's the question. Can he put it all together in one really productive season. Like I I think the hard thing also about projecting years of being able to keep a player, you know, whether it's it's Baum who's 26 or even Luis Garcia who's really young, how quick will the peak be? How like what what is the peak and how how many peak years will there be before he kind of falls into the replaceable for in the case of Baum, corner infielder, good filler, like fringe top 200 overall sort of player. Like if, But isn't that kind of what Mancini kind of is, kind of, already? Yeah, but he he's doing it consistently. And with Bohm, you're you're projecting. Yeah, that's you're still, true. You're still projecting a level he has not been able to reach over a full season. And he's 26 years old, though. He's a thousand he's plate appearances in. But 26, you still got age 27 season. You get 28 season, 29 season, 30, 31, 32. You got the five years. I mean, what, how old is Mancini? 
I'm guessing he's 33, 32. Maybe he's 31. I hope he's more than 31. He's 30. Ah, he's 30. See, all right. Well, so you're only getting four years there. But, I mean, look at the numbers differentiate. The numbers differentiation? That's not very good. You're not going to get nominated for an FSWA award <laughs> if you're starting to say that stuff as a, as, a, as, a, as a show. So we can't send this show. 372 at-bats, 13 home runs. So that's five more home runs, though he is playing was playing in Baltimore's cavernous stadium. Just as many strikeouts, same walk rate pretty much, and a 266 average. I don't know. I still think... I still like I like this trade. I like getting Bomb on the upside. I think I could see Bomb getting traded to a team where he they're just going to play him at third or maybe even move him to first. And again, I just like Luis Garcia a lot more than you do. Uh, I really like Luis Garcia. I think I think he has I think he has real upside. Twenty two years old, he's in the major leagues doing this stuff. And the fact that he's one for five. <laughs> in stolen bases is really bad. It's really bad. I agree with you. But the good news is he's tried to. He's trying to steal. I'd rather have a guy who's trying to do it, who might get better at it, might start getting better reads than a guy who who doesn't. Speaking of which, let's transfer uh, quickly to something interesting that you put out there about uh, Aaron Judge. You put that in there, right? Yeah, only 17 players have more steals than Judge since June 1st, which I did not expect to be the case. As a as a as a guy who luckily owns Aaron Judge in many 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 leagues, I'm I know that this is the case. And last night was the first time he got caught stealing all season. He's got nine stolen bases on the season. Was caught last night, and he got a bad jump. And the guy threw a bullet, and it just like a, they barely got him. Does that surprise you that Judge is so dang good? Mm, no, I I don't. I don't think it does. I mean, I I think the the part that surprises me is just the volume in the face of the power he's providing. So many times when uh, there's an uptick in power, naturally there are just fewer opportunities to run. You, you don't have stolen base opportunities. You hit the ball out of the park. You you got them all. <laughs> you got it. You yeah, got all four walks. bags at once. But, but he, he walks, walks at least once a game, and sometimes three times a game. Like he, he yeah, he's, he's turned that. It, he's basically saying, "Fine, you're not going to pitch to me. That's a double." But that's yeah. that's I mean, great he, that he can do it because his success rate in the past was pretty good. Last year he was six for seven. Earlier in his career wasn't as good. So I don't know if that's something that's changed with him. If he's kind of worked on some finer points of base stealing, getting good reads, getting good jumps, finding those spots. It, maybe this is just a function of being healthier than he's been for a full season, really at any <sighs> point in his career since 2017. Good Lord, I'm looking at his numbers, man. He's on pace for 67 home runs. With about and 16 steals. <laughs> with 16 steals and a 302 batting average. Yeah, and he's, he's got a 26.4% barrel rate. I mean, <laughs> this is why, look, Aaron Judge, uh, Rob Mershak and I, we're, we're doing well in the main event. Like, we're, we're in first place in our league. We had 128 points. We're about 20 points up on the great Dussault and Daniel Baker. Cheers to both of them. And we're in sixth place, I think, as the day starts today on the overall and I, I, it's Aaron judge. It's Aaron judge, Mookie Betts, Raphael Devers, and Cedric Mullins. Those four guys that have done it, but it's really Aaron judge. I mean, he's, he's the reason why so many leagues are so successful right now. Cause at 44, he's got 44 home runs right now on August 10th. Yeah. He's had a full season already. That's, I mean, it's and 93 runs and 98 RBI with a three ninety three OBP and a six seventy five slug. I mean, I, I, you know, yikes. How much is he going to get paid this offseason? I, I don't know. I, I don't know how he doesn't get an eight-year contract for $360 million. I mean, $320 million, $40 million a year. I, I think you got to give it to him now. I don't know if the, if the, if the Yankees don't do it. It's, it's going to be somebody else who does it because he's, he's the best. Is he, is he the MVP, DVR? Is he the MVP because... The argument for Otani is obvious. There's two humans. Team, yeah. Yeah, but his team stinks. It's not his fault. He's still really valuable. His team is just a crap organization under bad ownership. With the worst with the worst ownership in baseball, see? That's what it's, happens when it, you don't show up to the show. We can say stuff like Artie Marino is is in the top three top three worst. See, Nando, you better come back because otherwise we're just gonna slam on Artie Marino, who was picked as your owner in your fantasy world you may never live that one down 
No, nah, I don't think he will. Aaron Judge, unbelievable. Is he a top five pick next year? And where is he on a where is he on your dynasty list? I'll tell you where he is on mine. Where is he on yours? I haven't thought about him in dynasty because I'm not playing any dynasty leagues right now. The top five pick for next year, I'd, I'd be surprised if he wasn't, just based on how much you know, recency bias gets steeped into any year's ADP. Uh, the funny question is, well, who's not in the top five if Judge is firmly in it? Because you can't put everybody in there. But I would imagine since he's doing everything this year, he is kind of the, I don't know, the equivalent of where Soto was in redraft this year. Like an occasional 1-1 pick and easily a top five. Yeah, easily top five because, I mean, maybe it's Trey Turner above him just for the stolen bases. I, I don't, I mean, I'm looking, at the, I'm looking at the dynasty list right now with Julio Rodriguez at number one. What? Juan yeah. Soto, two. Acuna, three. Bobby Witt, four. Trey Turner, five. Jordan Alvarez, six. Aaron Judge, seven. And that's only because of the years that Jordan has over him. I have Judge right now above Otani at eight, Kyle Tucker at nine, Fernando Tatis at ten, Vladimir Guerrero at eleven, Jose Ramirez at twelve. He's at least top ten in Dynasty. Yeah, I I, I have him at seven right now. I mean, I have him at seven. If I'm going, if I'm going in a redraft though, because that really is becoming what I want to do. I, I don't know who do you take ahead of him. Who are you taking ahead of him? You taking you taking Trey Turner ahead of Aaron Judge next year? Are we talking about some kind of NFBC league or TGFBI? Yes, something, something with an overall yeah. component where you, you do have to think about having every category and you're not able to go trade for your deficiencies later. Okay, yeah, let's play it that way. Hmm, am I taking him at one? Probably not. Coffee. I don't think I am. Okay. Are you? Who are you taking? I don't know. Who are you taking? You're smart. You're smart. You're really smart. If Acuna's power is back by the end of the year, he's a kin- he's a contender for that spot. Mm-hmm. Also depends on where he signs. It also depends on where he signs. Yeah, you know, Judge, if, if Judge, Judge goes to San Francisco and it's yeah. a much more pitcher-friendly environment, yeah, how much are you going to ding him for that? I'm going to ding him a lot for that because his right field home runs are, you know, he and Glaber, I mean, Glaber hit a ball uh, the other night in Seattle, that was a home run in Yankee Stadium and was a single. It was actually a single went off the wall. Hanniger. Hanniger's got a gun, by the way. I like that guy. <laughs> Poor guy. But, I mean, he's got a gun for an arm. He turned and threw a bullet to second base, literally just right on the bag. It was phenomenal. He was so good. All right, let's imagine Judge is in New York. I'm taking him, as of now, I'm taking him with the second pick. Are you taking Trey Turner first? I'm taking Trey Turner first. I have more confidence in Turner's average, and obviously you're getting more speed. I think the quality of the lineup around Turner, well, it's better. Well, if he's back, that's another question. <laughs> Here's the thing: I'm gonna we'll get to obviously talk about this more in the off season. If you are a big market team and you don't have star power, is there any way you'd consider trying to get? Both Trey Turner and Aaron Judge, or do you have, do you have to choose only one because of the age? I mean, Trey Turner is twenty nine; he's turned twenty nine back in June, and Judge, of course, is already thirty. He'll turn thirty one next April. What big market team doesn't have star power? The like, Giants. What? The Giants do not have star oh. power, but they have deep pockets. Oh, and, and if you if you're a team like the Giants and you think about they over they overachieved last year on the projections and they do a lot of things really well and their young players you know Luciano and Kyle Harrison and the the next wave of young giants is still a little ways off not way off but a little ways off Yeesh. are they good enough to justify saying let's put some star power on this roster let's get upgraded up the middle especially even if judge is only a center fielder part of the time for part of the contract and we're going to trade Turner to be our new shortstop we're going to move Brandon Crawford over to second base, so we're going to... Yeah, Crawford, Crawford. Well, actually, I think Crawford does have like a three-year deal. Is this something that a team, the Giants, or a team like the Giants, I mean, I, I don't think the Angels are going to do it. They, they're they in dummy mode. They they are so dumb. Sorry, Angels fans. But the idea that, I mean, Ren, they gave Rendon $236 million, that was not a good move. That's going to, you're going to eat that the same way you ate Justin Upton. You're going to eat that. It's that's never going to work for you. 
But if the Giants were to get Trey Turner and Aaron Judge... As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I just wonder if there's a team out there that'd be willing to get both. It's going to be a huge outlay. And that's $100 million a year. Judge is going to get more than Turner, I think, on the open market, which is probably wrong. Yeah, it's wrong. I, I don't know. I think Turner's... I, I, I... Certainly from a fantasy perspective, I'm taking Trey Turner first. If you took Trey Turner, if you had the first pick in the draft this year and you didn't take Trey Turner, you did it wrong. You did it wrong. It was it was Trey Turner's year to go 1-1. And I think he's he's kind of, it kind of feels like Jose Reyes back when Jose Reyes was the guy. And even better, right? Because he's going to get you 40 steals. He's going to hit you 310. He's going to score 110 runs. And he's also going to hit you 20 home runs. I mean... There's nobody better than that. So Trey Turner is my number one one. Also, he's he's good in the field. He's the best slider in the history of the game. <laughs> There's no better slider. I think you have to break up sliding into um, you know the oven mitt era and the pre oven mitt <laughs> okay, era. That's fair. So that's fair. Like, so I would say I would say Jackie mitt. Robinson okay. is the like from fair just enough. pictures and things I've seen. Like Jackie Robinson is the. The all-time okay. best slider, yes. but if you gave okay, Jackie Robinson the sliding technology and the, the better better oh, gear, he would have he would have slid and flown. Because that's the thing is that Turner just slides and it's that yeah, little it, walk afterwards. It, it, it's it's like little. Trey Turner. It's like when you watch curling and you just see the the stone just gliding down the curling rink. That's what it's Trey really. Turner looks like, but faster. So it's amazing. I, I'm going to say one guy uh, that I don't that I don't like. Nearly as much as other people do. Um, I don't like Louis Robert. No, nope. Here's a question that came to me uh, earlier today, actually, from uh, a staffer that will remain anonymous, and okay. it's a, he's in a dynasty league. And he said, "Who do you like better in a dynasty league, Louis Robert or Michael Harris?" I well. Think about it for a second, and then look at Michael Harris's numbers. I, I traded for Michael Harris in NL Tout uh, about a month ago. Tristan Cogroft. Tristan Cogroft's a great guy to have in a fantasy baseball league because he'll pick up my call. <laughs> now, it makes him better than me because I don't always pick up. That's Well, he doesn't always pick up. But, <laughs> okay, so we're and, no, no, he doesn't always pick up, but he'll he'll pick up if he sees value and he needed saves. So I gave him Bard and Kurt Cavalli and a good amount of fab for Harris. 
because he I needed stolen bases. I was going for the stolen bases. I mean, I'm if you if they're the same cost, I'm buying Louis Robert to sell him. I do like Michael Harris though. Gosh, yeah, but no, Louis Robert. I, I think Louis Robert for a lot of people is a top ten to fifteen dynasty piece. Not for me. I don't trust him. I don't trust him to stay on the field at all. I, I he's Buxton squared for me. Hmm. Um, I really don't. I, I, I just there's there's always something that seems to go wrong with Louis Robert. He's never done a full season. Never played a full season. Last year, I traded him to Chris Marr, who's going to be listening to the show and and doing. We do appreciate that, by the way, Chris. Thank you so much for promoting the show by listening to it and then writing what we have on it. A little shout out to you, sir. Um, and I traded him on a, you know, I think I got Trey Turner and Mike Trout on expiring contracts. I think that's what it was. And he got like six years of Louis Robert. And I was on my way into a root canal at the time when I made that trade. There's never a bad time to make a trade. But Louis Robert, I don't like him. I don't like him. Um, And uh, if you do like him, it's a good time to trade for him, I would say. Because his value is pretty darn low. Because I I would have to think, and I don't own him anywhere. I didn't buy him anywhere. But I have to think, if if I were a Louis Robert owner right now, I would sell him for 75 cents on the dollar. Whereas Michael Harris, I don't think you can trade for. I think you have to wait for the Trent Grisham... Uh, you know, you, you got to wait for the for the price to dip. But where do you where do you see it, DVR? Who do you who do you got? Louis Robert or Michael Harris? Well, my argument was that he should trade Robert if he's going to keep Harris because he'd get more back for Robert right now. And if, if the difference between the players is smaller than people think, that's how you take advantage of the situation that you have by having both of them and not being able to keep both because of the way the roster was constructed. I, I think with I think with the Luis Robert situation. I mean, it's it's weird. I swear, it's the most frustrating name pronunciation thing in my life. It drives me crazy, and I'm sorry it comes up as often as it does. It just, I appreciate you bringing it up. No, I appreciate you bringing it up. You're not doing anything wrong. The guide says to pronounce it the way you do, but when he was first asked about it, he said to say it Robert, and it's like, okay, fine. Anyway, through 864 career plate appearances, we're talking about a player who is now. 29% better than a league average player. That's really good for your first two seasons worth of plate appearances. I mean, debuted in the pandemic shortened year, played 56 to 60 games, missed a lot of time last year, played 68 out of a possible 162. This year he's at 79 so far out of a possible 110. So the injury questions are real. He somehow gets a lot of mileage out of the balls he puts in play. The hard hit rates are good. The barrel rate's actually down this year, but I don't think that's necessarily who he is going forward. I think it's a double-digit barrel rate most years. The speed's excellent. 26 for 31 is a base dealer. That means more green lights. Yeah, but the problem is when he runs, he gets hurt. Like, every time he runs, I'm like, he's going to break a finger. He's going to, he, even with the mitt. It's like an it's an occupational hazard for anybody who steals bases, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. I I just there are guys that I trust, and there are guys that I just don't trust. Like you know, I was listening to on my long drive. I was listening to Fred Zinke and Jeff Erickson talk about Trevor's story, and they were talking about where he was going to go in next year's draft. And you know, they were saying uh, Jeff said it would probably be fifth, sixth round is where he would grab. I, I like listening to Fred Zinke a lot and Jeff Erickson. I, I really do enjoy that show. I'm not touching Trevor Story. Trevor Story was off my list this year. He's off my list next year. I mean, maybe if he gets to the 8th, ninth, 10th round, I would consider him just as a you know a high upside play. But I just I don't trust it, and I don't like got, having guys on my team that I don't trust. Here, I'm going to give you somebody. I'm going to give you who do you have long term because I have an answer on this. And it's kind of, I don't know, it seems obvious right now. Louis Robert, Robert, see what I did, Robert, that's right, right, that's right, Louis Robert, or Austin Riley? Robert. Riley. It's close. Riley. I like Riley a lot. I, I was wrong on Riley because I thought, I thought what he did last year was pretty much as good as it could get from an overall production standpoint, and mostly I was concerned the batting average had to come down. Like, oh, he's not going to flirt with 300 again. He's going to hit like 260, right? I think a lot of the projections even had him in that range. Projections still have him 
I think Zips is the highest at 281 for the rest of the season, and the Bat X is the lowest at 270. That's still really good for the amount of power you're going to get there. Great lineup. Really love what the organization is doing by giving guys like Harris and now Von Grisham chances to play yeah. in the big awesome. leagues. I think Grisham awesome. was more of an injury-forced situation, whereas Harris, they just looked at him and said, this dude's ready, and he's, he's proven them right so far. So you love that, especially for a, a team that just won the World Series that has sky-high expectations. They can say, yeah, you've only played 40, 50 games, double-A. You can come up, and Grisham's played even less than that. Uh, but Riley... I'm trying to figure out why I was wrong about him. He's hitting the ball in the air even more this year than last year. He's hitting 298, man. More barrels. Yeah, you're going to be. You're going to barrel the ball 17% of the time. Your batting average floor is going to go up, even if the K rate stays in the 25% range. 25% K rate is not a problem. He walks enough. He almost has the perfect plate discipline in the sense that Austin Riley doesn't walk too much. If he walked more, he might score a few more runs, but he'd probably drive in fewer runs, right? There's actually a point in 5x5 five five leagues where you can have a guy that almost walks too much because he's leaving RBI chances on the table. I don't mean that from a real-life value perspective. I mean that from a fantasy 5x5 five five mm-hmm. perspective. Walk enough to have a clue and to not swing at a bunch of bad pitches. Walk enough to have a clue. <laughs> but go up there swinging. And like I think that's kind of what Riley has, yeah. has found. He's found a, a really good place. And there's a range. I mean, 10% walk rate's not absurdly high. It's just like... Some guys that strike out 28 to 30% of the time and they walk 14 to 15% of the time, like that's yeah. that's almost like too extreme. You almost and want walking, like a little less of both. In an OBP league, I want the walking, but you're right. It's frustrating in 5 by 5 leagues when guys walk and Nando's like, "Well, if they walk, then, you know, you get you get runs." I mean, it's how you get runs. You got to get on base to get run. I get it. I get it. And if you're going to steal some bases, that's great, but I like what you're saying there. That maybe you were not looking for the highest walk rate when it comes to uh, regular five-by-five leagues. But look, he's on pace for 44 home runs, 109 RBI, and 98 runs, two stolen bases, but a 298 average, man. And in a five-by-five league, a 298 average is just like, you could 44 home runs in 298? I mean, is that back of the second round next year? Is he the, is he the second third base? Excuse me. Is he the second third baseman off the, off the board behind Devers? What's the difference right now between Austin Riley and, and Raphael Devers in terms of our expectations? I mean, I think I think that's pretty much similar. And the value going into the season, I'll just tell you this. When you get a good third baseman, and we'll have to look at this in the offseason, like is third base still that kind of desperate position that it's been? But if you can get yourself a good third baseman, it's just so hard to find on the wire. It's really hard. You're, you you know, how many times is Giro Urshela going to end up on the wire and you're going to play him for the four days a week that he plays? Third base is tough to fill. So filling it with, you know, the the filling it with a guy who who is going to be a plus for you all season like that is just really valuable. I don't know. I mean, I, I as I said, I'm a big I know people are big believers in the the you know pocket aces theory i like pocket aces better in poker than i like it in fantasy baseball for me get the bats just get the bats get guys that you trust are going to stay healthy stay i mean ariel Cohn would always say stay away from the guys who are going to be injured and just get guys who are kind of boring and austin riley is now fitting into that category and james anderson had him pegged five years ago He was like austin riley's the guy austin riley's the guy and he's right, because Austin Riley is 25 years old and putting up a monster, monster season. So a lot to throw in here. One, I think Rafael Devers is still slightly ahead of Austin Riley for me for next year, only because he has that same kind of plate discipline balance, except he strikes out less. And I think that gives him more floor and batting average. The, the counter argument is that Riley, I think, might have more raw power. He does. And, and I guess the other part of the counter argument is which lineup's going to be better next year? Way better. The Braves are going to be way better next year. I'm looking at for, for the season 35 home runs to 44, 88 RBIs for 109. That's 21 RBI. That's a yeah. pretty big difference. Yeah. Runs are sort of similar. You get an extra 12 points in average. Stolen bases are the same. I don't know. Yeah, maybe I mean, I, maybe I'm on Riley over Devers, but maybe I, I, I don't know. Are we, are we at a place where Austin Riley is in the conversation for the 
for the back of the first round, for the middle. Now he's no. he's at least in the conversation as a clear like, top twenty five player. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, he's I think he is the one two turn in a fifteen team league. He's on the list of players you're thinking about. And he's probably going to get yeah. ding for not running enough, and he's going to get the Freeman Devers treatment. Like we've seen a lot of players in the last few years kind of get stuck just outside the first round, even though they show what look like first round skills across the board other than speed okay so to wrap our show today we we are so happy but i'm gonna do this for the man who when the gardener starts the show's gotta stop Derek van riper yeah they like to <laughs> there's no there are no <laughs> leaves there's nothing on the space outside my window but they come by with the blower and really make sure that any little debris that could be there is long gone so i really appreciate that and for the man who is still away, we miss him terribly. Come back soon. Nando DeFino. I mean, Khan, uh, thanks for joining us this week. We will be back next week, next Wednesday. And I'm not, I'm thankfully, I'm going to be in town next week. And uh, we're going to do our show. We may have a guest. Uh, DVR and I will figure that out. Maybe we'll be lucky enough to have the big man back. But until then, good luck. Keep trucking. Keep working. Make those trades. If they make sense, 58 to 42, if you're rebuilding, we'll see you next time. Good talk. Good talk. Bye. Bye.